Hey Mosaic, happy Easter. I am so excited to celebrate Jesus' resurrection with you all. And although we can't be together physically, and man, I'm so bummed about that. I wish we could, because honestly, Easter Sunday is one of my favorite days of the year. I am so glad though that we get together together because of technology in different homes. Although we may be scattered, we are united in Christ, amen. I wanna encourage you from your living room, wherever you are watching today, just to respond to the gospel message. And if you feel comfortable, would you stand even in your living room, in your kitchen, your bedroom, wherever you are right now, stand with me as we read God's word. Luke chapter 23, verse 50. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Then the women, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. As they were talking about these things, Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened as they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you for Resurrection Sunday. God, I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but then he rose again three days later, proving power over sin and death. I thank you for the gift of Jesus for Resurrection Sunday. We thank you that you came to bring hope. You came to bring life. You came to bring joy. Lord, I pray that as we celebrate the resurrection, that that resurrection life would, would be made powerful in our own lives as we turn our hearts and our minds and our attention towards you. 
your name we pray, amen. Jesus died a common sinner's death on the cross. But then three days later, he rose again. Why did Jesus have to die though? Couldn't God have just forgiven all of our sins without making Jesus go through this horrible, excruciating death? Well, why did Jesus have to die? You have to go back to the beginning of our story for that answer. See, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything was in perfect harmony. And everything was good. And God walked with Adam and Eve and he, he spoke with them and we were in perfect communion with our creator. But then our mother, our father, Adam and Eve decided that they didn't trust God. They thought God was holding out on them. And so they ate of the forbidden fruit and they said, God, we want to know what is right and wrong for ourselves. And when they took that action, sin entered into our world. And with that came brokenness. With that came rifts in relationships. With that came disease and ultimately death. But God then gave the first declaration of the gospel in Genesis 3, saying that there would be someone who would come, the seed of Eve, who ultimately would step on and crush the head of the serpent, our enemy, the evil one, the devil, and ultimately defeat sin and death. And the Jewish people waited, and they waited for this promise to be fulfilled. While they were slaves in the land of Egypt, God miraculously brought them out through the Red Sea and delivered them from slavery and bondage. And this was the Exodus. It was one of the most important events in Old Testament history. But right before that, uh, the Bible records Passover, which God gave them this, this command that they take a lamb and they would sacrifice this lamb. And the lamb would die so that then they could paint the blood on the doorposts of their home and the angel of death would pass over them and they would be saved. And as they were delivered and saved, God then gave them a list of rules and commandments that ultimately would point to the need for a savior to come. But they had this Old Testament, these commandments to live by. And one of them was that someone had to pay the price for our sins. And so what the Jewish people would do is they would take a lamp and, and they would lay their hands on the lamb and they would symbolically place their sins, their wrongs on this lamb. And then they would kill the lamb and sacrifice it as an imperfect sacrifice for their sins. But they were waiting for someday when that perfect lamb of God would come who would take away all the sins of the world. Well, Hundreds of years later, John the Baptist is baptizing people, calling them towards repentance, saying, you may have messed up, you may be broken, but God is calling you into a life of repentance. You can turn away from your sinful life and you can turn towards God. And one day he's doing that and he sees Jesus out there. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And this was who people were waiting for, the Lamb of God. And so then, Jesus had all these disciples started to follow him. And they believed that he would come and, and he would once again lead them into, into freedom out of slavery because although they were led out of slavery from the Egyptian people, it wasn't too long before they turned their backs and rebelled. 
And then they were in slavery under the Assyrians. And then the Babylonians and the Greeks. And finally, the Romans. And that's where they are now. They're still living in bondage under the Romans. And so they're waiting for Jesus to come to bring them into to freedom, to, to, to free them, but politically. But Jesus was not that kind of leader. See, Jesus didn't come to, to bring freedom politically. Jesus came to save them from their sins. And so what happened on Good Friday was Jesus found himself crucified on the cross. And he wasn't murdered, but he laid down his life so that you and I could be made right with God. The Lamb of God gave his life for you and I. And that would be an amazing story of someone who's willing to give their life for others, if that's all the story was. But ultimately, it wouldn't be anything that we'd want to, to devote our lives to or to worship. See, there are a lot of good people who are laid down their life for others, and we should applaud them. But see, Jesus is different because on that third day, he did what no one else had ever done before. He rose again. He, he was brought to life by the Father as that stone was rolled away. And he proved that he was different. He conquered sin and death. And the lamb that was slain was lifted up into glory by the Father. Well, how do we know that this event really happened? How do we know that Jesus really did die? Maybe, maybe the disciples just made it up. Maybe these women who showed up at the tomb, they were just dreaming it. Well, let's talk about that. How can we put our trust in this resurrection event? See, the truth is that Christianity is not built on our Bibles. Christianity is not built on sacred sites, uh, church buildings, a list of rules or creeds. Christianity is built on a single event the resurrection of Jesus. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then none of this matters. So how can we trust that this really happened? Well, first of all, who were the first witnesses to Jesus' resurrection, to, to the empty tomb? It was a bunch of women. In this day, women's opinions really mattered for nothing. In fact, they couldn't be administered as witnesses in a court because it didn't even matter. If someone was making up this story, then why would they have it be women showing up? They would have, you know, someone with more authority, more prestige to be the witnesses. Well, then we see that Jesus appeared to the disciples. He didn't just swoon. He didn't just faint. So they put him in a grave that was sealed and guarded by Roman special force officers. There's no way Jesus just simply passed out on the cross and they stuck him in a grave and then he somehow miraculously came to without actually dying and in a, in a dehydrated, defeated place, pushed back that stone and got past all these Roman guards who their job, their job was to protect this gravesite. And furthermore, professional executioners who worked for the Roman Empire said that Jesus was dead. This was their job. They knew a dead body when they saw it. Jesus was dead when he was put in that tomb. Well then, maybe someone stole his body. Maybe the disciples stole his body so that they could tell this story that Jesus had actually risen again when he hadn't. Well, but then why? When they were tortured, would they not recant? Why did their lives actually change after this? Peter, who was one of the chief disciples, that on the night Jesus went to the cross, he betrayed Jesus by saying, I don't even know him, to a little middle school girl. 
and he ran away. And yet then, after seeing the resurrected, risen Jesus, Peter's life has changed forever. And he gets up in front of all the religious leaders, all the people who crucified him, and said, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead, and now you can repent and receive forgiveness of your sins. Why would he do that if he just stole the body? It makes no sense at all. Furthermore, we see that after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus' mom worships him as God. Jesus' brother, James, before the, Jesus going to the cross and rising again, Jesus' brothers, James and Jude, they didn't believe Jesus at all. They thought he was out of his mind and crazy. And then we see that after the resurrection, Jesus and his brothers, Jesus' brothers, James and Jude, his mom, Mary, they worship him as the risen Savior. They worship him as God. I mean, what would it take for you to worship your brother as God? Probably predicting your own death and then rising again, right? We see in Acts that James, who did not believe in Jesus, that he was the Messiah, that after the resurrection, James becomes the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. The only explanation is that he really saw his brother die, and he really saw his brother rise again from the grave. We see early on these Jewish, good Jewish believers, they move their day of worship from Saturday, worshiping on the Sabbath, to Sunday. Why would they do that if Jesus hadn't risen from the day, risen from the grave on Sunday? It moved their whole culture, their whole day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. We see these Jewish followers start to participate in communion, in baptism. Why would they institute these new religious um, uh, sacraments if Jesus didn't really die on the cross and rise again? All we can conclude is that Jesus really did die on that cross, that the Roman executioners, who were professional killers, they said he really did die. And then three days later, he really rose again, that the tomb really was empty. See, the Gospel of Mark that records Jesus' life was only written three, four, five years after Jesus' resurrection. People had more than enough time to, to explore his claims. And if Jesus' grave was filled with his bones, they would say, no, he's not alive. Here's his bones. But people couldn't do that. They couldn't find his body because it wasn't there. Jesus wasn't in the grave. He had risen again. He appeared to more than 500 people. They wrote it down, and then he ascended into heaven. All that we can conclude is that Jesus really died. He was really buried in a tomb, and then he rose again. See, the disciples weren't expecting any of this to happen. Their hopes and their dreams were dashed on that Friday, they thought their political leader, their savior was dead, and they were next. But then three days later, what happened? Nobody was expecting no body. Nobody was expecting no body. No one was there on Easter morning counting down five, four, three, two, one. Jesus is going to rise again. No, no one was expecting it. Jesus surprised them all. They were all surprised by hope. And when they saw Jesus, when they put their fingers in the nail holes, when they felt the spear hole in his side, they were filled with hope and their lives were changed. And the same can be true for you. Jesus wants to surprise you with hope. He wants to fill your life with a new life as you put your faith and your trust in him. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes 
in Romans chapter 5. The Apostle Paul was a good Jewish boy. He believed there was one true God, and to worship anyone else's God was punishable by death. And early on in the church, that's what he was doing. He was going around killing men, women, and children for worshiping this Jesus as God until he met the risen Jesus, literally knocked off his high horse. And Jesus turned this hostile, violent enemy into one of the greatest evangelist church planters the world has ever known. And Paul spent the rest of his life, in fact, he died proclaiming that no, Jesus really is God. He really is the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who died on a Friday, was buried, and then rose again on Sunday. Paul writes this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That when we put our faith in Jesus, that he really did die, that he really was buried, and he really rose again, we have peace with God. Man, are you looking for peace right now in your life? Maybe you feel like you and God just aren't on good terms or, or you feel the shame and guilt weighing you down. You can have peace with God by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What, Paul? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, God, Christ, died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. See, like Adam and Eve, we turned our backs on God and we rebelled. We said, God, we think you're holding out on us. We're going to do things our own way, but we've learned that doesn't work out so great. We make mistakes and we're filled with guilt and shame and, and brokenness. And we need to be reconciled to God. We need to be rescued and redeemed from the slavery and bondage we find ourselves in. And the only way to find that freedom, the only way to be reconciled to God, to find peace, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, Jesus wants to surprise you with hope. I pray, whatever you're going through, and we are going through so much with COVID-19. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you know someone who is suffering. Maybe you are filled with so much emptiness and loneliness and anxiety and worries. But Jesus is here today and he wants to surprise you with hope. He wants to fill you with purpose and peace and love and grace. And that only comes when we surrender ourselves to him. And I want to encourage you to respond right now. See, you can be forgiven from all the wrong things you've done, all the ways you haven't measured up. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. 
Jesus wants to surprise you with hope in that same way he surprised those disciples on that first Easter morning. Times are tough. Things seem dark and bleak, but Jesus comes to bring you and I hope. If you want to respond to that message of hope, I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus. If you've never done that, if you've never bowed the knee to him, now is the perfect opportunity to do that. Jesus invites you to respond. He wants you to come to him, to lay all your burdens, all your shame, all your guilt, all your sin, because it was, it was nailed to the cross on Jesus, and you no longer have to carry that. He will carry it for you. He will forgive you. And you can find healing, you can find purpose, you can find hope. By crossing that line of faith, by saying, yes, Jesus, I give you my life. The count of three, I just want you to respond. Maybe it feels a little silly, but even in your own home, just to raise your hand, to say, yes, Jesus, I am responding to your message of hope and forgiveness and love and grace, and I give my life to you. Why do we want to do some kind of action like that? Well, I believe that what God is doing on the inside of you is real. And we're going to respond on the outside by standing, by raising our hands. It makes it all that much more real. If you want to respond to the free gift of grace, would you raise your hand? Three, God loves you. Two, you'll never be the same. One, respond right now by raising your hand if you want to receive that free gift of salvation, free gift of grace that only comes through Jesus Christ. And then pray this prayer with me, just a simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I give you my life. Lord Jesus Christ, I give you the Bible says that if we confess with our hearts, if we believe that he is the Lord, that we will be saved. And if you made that decision today, you have passed from death to life. All your guilt, all your shame has been nailed to the cross. It is thrown away. And you can ex- now are filled with life and hope and peace. If you have made that decision to follow Jesus, to put your trust in him, I would love to follow up with you. You can click uh, on our our church online and would love to follow up with you. You can shoot us a message at mymosaicchurch.com. We want to give you a Bible. We want to follow up with you. Starting next week, I'm going to do just a weekly Zoom call for as long as we're in this COVID-19 season of of, uh, quarantine uh, for anyone who has questions about the faith. Uh, Any questions you have about God, about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, and justification and sanctification and all these big words, I would love to help you grow spiritually and take your next steps in this journey of following Jesus. Maybe you put your faith and trust in Jesus a while ago, but you still feel like you are just kind of starting off in that journey. I would love to meet with you on Zoom, but I need to have your information. So just follow up, send us a message. Uh, You can email me, eric at mymosaicchurch.com. And I'd love to, to meet with you virtually. It's a time we're gonna ask questions, a time for you to just to, to, to grow spiritually. And then tell someone, tell someone, uh, maybe you're, you're with or a close friend, text someone that you, today you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. For us followers of Christ, I do believe that Jesus wants to surprise you today with hope. Maybe you've been feeling down, maybe you've been feeling the weight of anxiety and worry, but Jesus truly wants to give you hope. Today, as we celebrate this resurrection, let's put our hope and our trust in Jesus. 
Let's fix our eyes on him. Let him be our true north. That although we may be struggling, may we know that he is always with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. We are his children. We are in his family. Mosaic, I love you. I'm so grateful that we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I'm so grateful that this story didn't end on Good Friday, but that Jesus rose again. And our faith is built on this event. This event that Jesus really did die. He really was buried, but then he rose again. Proving once and for all that, that Jesus really is Lord. That he really is Savior. That Jesus really is God. May you be surprised by hope today. May you be filled with comfort and love and grace as you fix your eyes on your Savior, Jesus. We're going to go out of here singing one more song as we just say this is a glorious day that Jesus makes us alive through him. Let's sing to him uh, as we go out celebrating Easter Sunday. Happy Easter.